Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Bienvenidos, señoras y señores, to the Bleed Lows podcast. This episode of the Bleed Lows podcast is brought to you by Bet Online. Basketball is back, and Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, game trends on Bet Online. And as your continued source for all sports wagering information, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and giveaways all season long. It's always the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports and events. Whether that's the NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, or even golf. So head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use your promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards. Bet online, where the game starts. <laughs> and joining us this week on the Carne Asada is former Dodger Luis Cochito Cruz. I know a lot of you remember the, the Cochito aspect of it. Uh, Luis, let, let's start first with why... ¿Por qué el apoyo de Cochito? ¿De dónde salió eso? Es que eh, mi papá cuando jugaba en Liga Mexicana aquí de, de, en las Ligas de México siempre eran tres hermanos que les decían como los tres cochinitos y el lobo. Entonces, mi papá fue uno de los que jugó profesional, profesional aquí en México. Entonces, me heredó el apodo de Cochito. Entonces, toda la gente en, aquí en México... Y ahora que en Estados Unidos o Japón me conozco como Cochito. <laughs> do, you, do you like that nickname of Cochito? Yeah, I like it. I mean, I, I got used to, like, when they call my name, when they call me Luis Alfonso, I don't know. I, I think, like, they <laughs> me están engañando o algo. I, I did something wrong porque everybody call me Cochito. Ah, uh, that's fantastic. So, Luis, we, we wanted to talk to you. I, I want to start off, of course, first with that that magical season that you had with the Dodgers uh, in, in 2012. Oh. When you, when we heard it in the stadium, every time you came up the bat, you would hear either the Cochito or a lot of people Ooh. would hear the Cruz, right? Yeah, so you made your major league debut with the Pittsburgh Pirates. Yeah. What was the difference for you to play in Pittsburgh to make your major league debut y luego llegas al estadio de los Dodgers? Mira, fue diferente porque obviamente tenía que a, a buscar una oportunidad con un equipo y, y, y recuerdo 2009 que, que firmé como free agent con los, con los piratas y ellos me mandaron a AA y me dijeron, hey, I mean, we like your defense, we like the way you play, you can play first, second, third, short. Entonces empecé a trabajar mucho en mi defensa porque en esos tiempos eh, se usaba mucho un, un infielder que pudiera jugar varias posiciones para que fuera el utility uh, y entonces ese año que hago mi debut ahí en, en Pittsburgh eh, el siguiente año llegó una persona que me ayudó mucho en mi carrera que se llama Perry Hill que es el infield coach de los Seattle Mariners y platicamos mucho y yo creo que es una de las personas que yo más le tengo cariño en Estoy agradecido porque me enseñó todo lo que es sobre jugar una buena defensiva y, y ya el, el bateo se da eh, cuando lo sigues trabajando, ¿no? Entonces, cuando llegaste a Dodger Stadium, cuando viste la porra, porque allí habían muchos mexicanos, sí, lo dudo que en Pittsburgh. No fue, no fue rápido, no fue rápido no. que... It, it, took, it took time. I remember when they, when they called me up in, in, in L.A., they told me, hey... Um, We're going to call you up because we need to give a break to D. Gordon because he's, he was making too many errors or something. And I was doing okay in AAA. So, and I got to the field and I talked to Mattingly and he's like, hey, you're just going to play once a week. I mean, twice a week. Y dije, no me importa. Yo estoy en las ligas y en los Dodgers con el equipo que, que siempre yo soñé. Y, y me dice, okay. Entonces, ese juego, estaba jugando, recuerdo, contra, contra Johnny Cuero y, y ganamos el juego. 
Entonces, el siguiente día, I wasn't even, I wasn't playing, I wasn't even playing, and um, I remember Juan Uribe, do you remember Juan Uribe? Yeah, yeah. He, he told me, hey, my ankle hurts, you, just, you better be ready, and I say, I'm always ready. <laughs> estaba esperando esta, estaba esperando esta eh, oportunidad toda mi vida, y, y, y mira, él dijo, se sentía mal de su tobillo, jugué ese juego, me acuerdo que di tres hits, ganamos y de ahí en adelante me tocó jugar 89 games y fue la mejor temporada, yo creo que un sueño para mí, it was a dream come true. And, and, and for those of you who don't remember, those numbers, I mean, he hit 297, he had six home runs and 40 RPIs, and what was, I think, very impressive was when they started selling your jersey uh, at Dodger Stadium. How, how did that, that feel, cool. Luis, to see people walking around with the Cruz? Hey, it feels, it feels great. I remember they talked to me about it because it was like the first month I was doing okay. And I remember that, that I got base hit my first couple of games and then it was the All-Star game. Y después del All-Star Game, empecé a jugar todos los días y empecé a dar mis hits, RBI, hit, hit, hit. Y me acuerdo que llegué como un 11-game hitting streak y yo ya me sentía con confianza. O sea, con la confianza de, I'm playing tomorrow, you know? Como que yo sé que puedo ayudar y, y ya no estaba... I wasn't thinking, oh, I don't know if I'm going to play tomorrow because they already told me, they, como se dice, ellos me dijeron, Oh, you playing good, you're going to play every day. Y mira, después de ahí, como en agosto, empecé a escuchar a la gente que decía, yo sentía que era como que un boo, y yo decía, why, I'm doing good. <laughs> Pero ya después, que el, 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 el announcer decía, now batting for the Los Angeles Dodgers, Luis Cruz. Ya empecé a entender, y, 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 y yo creo que disfruté mucho ese momento, porque mi familia estuvo conmigo ahí, tenía mis dos hijos y mis papás, mi papá tuvo la oportunidad de, de, de ir a verme también. Bien, tú has jugado para dos fran franquicias que son históricas, los Dodgers y también jugaste para los Yankees. Para ti, ¿Ah? ¿cuál era la...? Dijiste, ¿eras fanático tú de los Dodgers creciendo de, sí. desde morro? Desde morro. Desde morro, yo creo que que, que el sueño era llegar a grandes ligas y jugar con los Dodgers. Eh, siempre que veía que estaba Dennis Reyes, Juan Castro, Karim García, todos que eran firmados de Dodgers, entonces yo decía, algún día, algún día voy a estar ahí. Y yo me recuerdo la primera vez que me tocó jugar en el Dodgers Stadium fue con los Piratas, con los Piratas de Pittsburgh, pero no es la misma. Cuando ya estás al lado del Dodgers, en el club de los Dodgers, es como que, wow, this is the big leagues, you know. You mentioned other Juan Castro, other Dodger names that we recognize. Yeah. How important, though, did you are are you too young to feel the influence of Valenzuela? Did Valenzuela at any point make you a Dodger fan? No, he he was he was my friend, my dad's friend. They played together in, in winter league, so they almost like the same age. So mm -hmm. I mean, he was the, like the face of of a Mexican player being in the big leagues, coming from Mexican league. You know, like he was young, <coughs> he went straight to the big leagues, and he did really good. <coughs> Pero me gustaba siempre <coughs> los Dodgers porque Los Ángeles. Yo conocía Los Ángeles. Y, y, y siempre quise jugar con los doy perdón, perdón y mira, gracias a Dios es un sueño que que lo cumplí para mí y para mi familia ¿necesitas un, un minuto? I think I'm good. Okay. Um, so you've played a lot of international ball. So not only, you know, you played in the major leagues, but then you got to play in Japan. ¿Cómo era la experiencia de jugar en Japón? Mira, 
volviendo a lo que me preguntaste ahorita, I didn't enjoy much playing for the Yankees because I was a Dodger. And, and, okay. and, and it hurt me when they took me off the 40-man because I had a good season the year before. And then the next year, I mean, it didn't, we didn't click me and the hitting coach. Uh, Mark McGuire? Yeah, I couldn't because he said he didn't like my leg kick. And I said, well, I hit 300. I, I spent 11 years. I told him I spent 11 years in the minor leagues. So I, try, I finally figured it out. I hit in the big leagues, and then you want me to change. I can't. I'm sorry, but I can't. I changed so many times in my life, and it no sirvió. So me dijo, well, <coughs> entonces, good luck. Le dije, ah, gracias. Entonces, como que no, no hicimos un click. Entonces, cuando ellos, Marilyn me llama y me dice, we're gonna, Cruz, we're going to take you off the roster. We need the spot for Scott Vance, like I think, somebody else. He said, we want you to go to AAA. And I talked to him and I said, why you want me to go to AAA? I'm going to go down there. I'm going to hit good. And then I'm going to come back here. And they're going to tell me they, they don't like my, you know, like my, my, my stance. So they tried to keep me there. But I, I decided to be a free agent. And nobody, uh, nadie me agarró. En waivers, pero al siguiente día me hablaron los Yankees y tenía que aceptarlo. <laughs> Jugar shortstop con los Yankees. <laughs> how, how, do you still follow the game right now, the ma uh, Major League Baseball? Ah, uh, sabes que me gusta ver ya en los playoffs, pero okay. creo que ha cambiado mucho. No sé. Siento que el, 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 se, ha, se ha hecho muy soft <ríe> todo en este... No puedes decir nada, no puedes hacerle nada, no puedes llegar duro en segunda base. You cannot break a double play. Eh, pero sí lo sigo eh, uh, cuando puedo en los playoffs. So, uh, the, the reason why I ask you is hearing you say how Mark McGuire or other hitting coaches are trying to mess with your batting stance, I was curious if you could relate to the struggles that Cody Bellinger uh, is going through with the Dodgers. That was a guy, I mean, that guy won Rookie of the yeah. Year, that guy won an MVP, but it seems like they always want to change his batting stance. I mean, that's very important to a baseball player, right, is their batting stance. Yeah, the thing is, You got to feel confident. Like, that's why most of the teams, they always have, like, two guys. You know, like, I remember that year, 2012, when I came up, it was Dave Hansen. Remember the hitting coach? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I empecé a batear and me dijo, hey, your swing is big leagues, tus manos son rápidas, you're going to hit. O sea, él me dio la confianza. Y yo me acuerdo que I used to go to the cage and he would flip two balls to me and I hit it good and I said, get out of here, you're good, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, and once you not, you don't click with someone, I mean, like for me, I, I spent 11 years in the minor leagues. I always hit in winter leagues. Siempre he bateado aquí en Liga de Invierno, pero cuando estaba con San Diego, they didn't call me up because they wanted me to walk more, to take more walks. I say I can walk. I mean, I hit, you know? Mm -hmm. Entonces, pasé a mi walk y oh, que, que nos gusta, pero queremos que el, el, el on-base percentage y que... Y, o sea, son, son detalles que a lo mejor uno es diferente y, y yo creo que ese año <coughs> ayudó mucho que mi manager en AAA era Lorenzo Bandy, que lo conozco de toda la vida porque fue mi manager en invierno, y Dave Hansen, yo creo que ellos fueron los que me ayudaron y, y pues Maringley que me dio la oportunidad de de jugar todos los días. Wow. Um, so I, I wanted to ask you about the World Baseball Classic. I mean, you, you mentioned, right, okay, first of all, let's just start with, right now you're playing for the Naranjeros de Hermosillo, right? Sí, yeah. Now that's the Mexican Pacific League, right? Yeah, and Winter League. So what's the difference between the Mexican Pacific League and the Mexican League? The summer league, they have like 20 teams. So basically, all the guys that 
they got either released or 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 they not in the rosters in the states. Instead of going to independent ball, they go they come to Mexico. Mm-hmm. So that's twenty teams during the summer, <clears throat> and that's only ten teams during the winter. So the best players of each of the summer league, they come to this league, and and you have to battle for a spot. Wow. So the competition Pero is really strong. Yeah, I mean, it's como una triple A con there's a lot of veteran players that you know, like being in the big leagues and uh, y, y they want to they want to keep playing. Yo digo que es un muy buen nivel. Uh, cada equipo puede tener seis extranjeros, like foreign players, mm-hmm. and then the rest have to be Mexican guys. Y yo creo que que es la liga más importante de de México. Entonces el ¿Cuáles son los equipos de eh, los mejores equipos o donde Naranjeros. donde haya más bronca? ¿Cuáles son los equipos que ah. tienen más bronca? Pues mira, Naranjeros es el que tiene más campeonatos okay. y después es Tomateros que es Culiacán que tienen 14 y yo creo que esos son los equipos contendientes de, de todos los años y, y mira, se ponen nosotros jugamos fin de semana contra Culiacán Y yo creo que todos los días, viernes, sábado, domingo, había 12 to 13,000 people. Estaba lleno. Se ponen buenos los juegos. Y, y, Entonces, los y culichis es, andan bravos. Andan bravos los culichis. Nosotros andamos bravos. <risa> Entonces, hablando de culichis, ¿nunca has pasado con Julio Urias? Sí, yo, yo jugaba con tomateros. Jugué okay. nueve años desde el 2009 hasta el 2018 me cambiaron a, a Hermosillo y, y sí lo conozco, lo conozco desde que empezó eh, me da mucho gusto que, que haya tenido la temporada que, que tuvo y, y es un muy buen muchacho Do you think they disrespected him with the Cy Young vote this year? Sí, yo, yo siento que los números Los números sí, sí los tenía. Yo creo que en, hay una diferencia en, en, en grandes ligas que o eres un jugador, uh, ¿cómo se le puede decir? Como que le gusta a la gente, como Tatis. Popular. Que les gusta, todo el mundo quiere ser Tatis Jr. Mm-hmm. o quiere ser. Uh, pero hay muchos jugadores que calladito la boca hacen sus números y no son están como que como bajo perfil como que cómo se le dice en inglés a eso como que hacen sus números low profile sí como que no los no los siguen tanto eh, yo creo que que si sí tuvo los números tiró muy buenos juegos a lo mejor hubo unos juegos que podía haber seguido y los sacaban temprano pero Pero mira, yo creo que esto lo va a ayudar mucho eh, el haber tenido a Kershaw ahí. Yo creo que yo a mí me tocó estar cuando estaba Kershaw. Yo creo que lo aprecia y lo ayudó mucho también. Bueno, uh, the World Baseball Classic is coming up. We're very excited about it. Uh, did you have any desire to play for the Mexican team? And what was your experience like playing in previous World Baseball Classics? Hey, I think that's the... Es como el Mundial de Soccer, yo creo, como ahorita están en Qatar, yo creo que para nosotros es un es un honor representar a nuestro país y, y sentir la camiseta, ¿no? Yo creo que el mucha gente no sabe uh, el valor que tiene para nosotros escuchar un, un himno nacional en otro en otro país representando a tu país. Eh, sí me gustaría jugar, me gustaría, ya, me tocó ir a los a tres anteriores, me tocó 2006, me tocó 2013 y 2017, pero mira, eso ya no son decisiones de nosotros. I, I have to keep hitting, playing good, I'm playing first, I'm playing third, I mean, if they need me, I, I'll be available. Eh, y me, me encantaría representar a mi país, claro que sí. Entonces, cuando vemos a Canadá, esos pinches canadienses, ¿les vamos a, ¿nos vamos a tirar bronca o, o qué? Ah, o ya, ya. Que, 
No, yo creo, creo que ya son cosas de cali que, se, que uno se calienta en el momento. Eh, yo soy una persona que jamás me he peleado fuera de un terreno y, y, y tuvo mi único pleito. My only fight it was on <laughs> en live TV, world TV. Entonces, eh, yo creo que me, me sentí un poquito ofendido, como que se estaban un poco burlando. Yo sabía que era, había un, un run average, que tenían que hacer carreras, pero fue una situación ahí que a lo mejor no se hace. Yo creo que fue un poco de burla y pues mira, salió la... Salió lo que salió y pues nunca dejé de, de, de defender a mi, a mi país y a mi equipo. Yo creo que, que a lo mejor estuvo mal de mi parte. Y, y, pero, pero yo digo que pues si vuelve a pasar, pues vuelve a pasar. Yo creo que no me gusta que se burlen de, de nosotros. Pues. No, pues los, Mexico, los mexicanos no se rajan. Es como Canelo, que va a agarrar al ese pinche Messi a putazos. Ya, ya, ya vimos lo que hizo Messi y pues no, como los mexicanos no nos vamos a dejar, ¿verdad? No, pero yo creo que estaba viendo esa noticia. Yo creo que cuando uno ah, pasan cosas que perdimos o, perdi, o íbamos perdiendo... No, fue porque íbamos perdiendo. Porque, Ajá. por ejemplo, en lo personal contra Canadá, fue de la forma que, que ellos como que se burlaron de, del juego. Porque nos podían haber ganado y no pasa nada. Pero so the, the unwritten cosas. rules, right, Luis? The unwritten rules. Sí, claro. Y yo creo que, que, que en este... En, pues antes... Antes se usaba más, yo creo que se respetaba más al, al, al equipo contrario y, y ahora es más todo, todo tecnología y todo, no importa si you swing 3-0, winning by 10 runs, no importa, o sea, cada quien quiere hacer sus, sus números, ¿no? Pero, pero antes sí era un poquito más de, más de respeto en el juego. Bueno, vamos a terminar el programa como siempre lo terminamos, Luis. Uh, en este programa nosotros somos de los Dodgers, somos todos de Los Ángeles, de la cultura, pero a nosotros nos encantan los tacos. Necesitamos oh, saber dónde, cómo estás en México, pero a, sí. antes de que me digas en México, cuando jugabas aquí en Los Ángeles, ¿había algún lugar donde ibas a, a comer tacos? ¿Y qué tipo de taco te gustaba comer? Sí, había... Había un lugar bajando del estadio cuando vienes por la... Cuando vas a meter a ir por la Sunset, es, creo. Cuando vas Ajá. al Dyer Stadium. Ah, por ahí había un lugar de tacos muy bueno en esos tiempos que nos llevaban todos los sábados o los domingos. No recuerdo el nombre, pero, pero sí. Yo me acuerdo que, que ahí comíamos y, y muy, todo la comida de ahí estaba buenísima ahí vivía yo en downtown entonces logré disfrutar todo el tipo de comida, sobre todo los tacos ahí pero para te... tacos buenos tienen que ir a ¿y qué tipo de taco? no, pues carne asada, yo soy de carne ¿Mm? asada tortilla y carne asada y aguacate y ya okay. ¿qué tipo de tortilla? ¿de harina o de maíz? depende, si estoy a dieta de maíz y no de harina <risa> Pues muchas gracias Luis uh, por venir y te, te deseamos mucha buena suerte en tu temporada jugando con los naranjeros. Um, we wish that you would have been in the World Baseball Classic. We're going to be covering it. We're going to be down there in March. We'll, we'll be out there supporting Mexico. We'll, we'll be supporting the United States as well. So, but we want to thank you for, for joining us. Hey, muchas gracias y, y por la invitación y estamos a la orden. Ojalá algún día que cuando ya me retire poder trabajar ahí con Dodgers y, y volver a, a revivir todo lo que, lo que pasé en ese 2012 y, y poder estar ahí en Los Ángeles. Bueno, me da mucho gusto. Gracias, Luis. Igualmente. And once again, a big thank you to Luis Cochito Cruz for, for joining us. 
the connection was a little rough there, so our apologies and thank you for bearing with us, but I think you could hear the majority of it. Uh, and for those of you who don't understand Spanish, this is another perfect reminder that you should learn how to speak Spanish because this is a bilingual show. And uh, we have guests here that are Latinos that sometimes are more comfortable speaking in Spanish. So we are going to speak in the language that they are most comfortable in because we have the ability to do that. And no other Dodger podcast gives you that option to put the SAP button on it. We do it live. We do it for you live. But one of the things I wanted to touch on that, that interview that I really found interesting was that he was a Dodger fan growing up and how much it hurt him when, when the Dodgers released him. I, look, it's, I think it's a perfect reminder of just how short a leash um, major leaguers have. And once again, to tie it into what's going on with Cody Bellinger, it Cody Bellinger got a much longer leash than I think any other player would have gotten. And maybe it's because Cody Bellinger won the Rookie of the Year, and maybe it's because Cody Bellinger was an MVP. He had won an MVP. And we've never seen in the history, as, as our friend Juan Toribio said, we've never seen a, a man who's won Rookie of the Year and an MVP get non-tendered like we saw a couple of weeks ago. So to hear Cochito basically say, hey, I had a good season last year. You guys are giving up on me this quickly? That That's the reality. And, and 2013 was was a, a real struggle for him. What did you think about that, Babyface? Yeah, I remember you know, 2012 when he came on and then um, – you know when he said like the the whole you'd hear the whole crowd like cruise. I mean it was like it was crazy because like this guy came out of nowhere pretty much right. He was he was called up, you know he was in the minors called up, and then all of a sudden he starts hitting. You know he takes over the everyday third base job, and then he be he, he was the thirteen the following opening day starter at third base. Yeah. So he, like you know he 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 rode that whole ride, but then he struggled in thirteen. You know he got released probably like midway through the season. And you know he ends up with the Yankees uh, for some time, but yeah, like uh, I mean, Cruz was one of the guys that you know um, when I first started covering the team, I, I would I would like talk to a lot, you know, there um, in in twelve. Um, and yeah, I mean, he was a real cool dude. Um, and yeah, I mean, it, you can tell how much uh, it hurt him to to get released. I mean, and I didn't know I didn't know that about uh, uh, with McGuire and yeah. asking, getting him to, to change his stance. You know, we see we see how important that stance is. You know, kind of. As it relates to Bellinger, you know, we've heard a lot of things. People saying, you know, he should have, you know, his bat down more, his bat, you know, his bat up, you know, and, and we've seen, you know, all these changes that Bellinger has done over the years. Which is very interesting, right? Because baseball people, baseball players are creatures of habit. So the minute you start tweaking with their stuff, it, I, you, I think that's a perfect example. I, when he said, look, I've been in the minor leagues for 11 years. I finally figured it out. And now you want me to change everything? Uh, I did appreciate his honesty there. And I, I feel, I'm, I'm very curious. I don't know this for a fact, but I'm curious. Is that what was going on with Bellinger? Were the Dodgers have two hitting instructors? They have two hitting coaches. Were those guys tweaking? I mean, how many times did you watch Spectrum Sports Net LA? Or even you see it on Twitter. People were analyzing Bellinger's stance. Ballinger standing up too straight or where the head of his bat was. You always saw all of this. And eventually, and, and Cochito said it, I think the most important thing that you can have as a baseball player is confidence. And it didn't look like Bellinger had confidence. And how could you have confidence when they're constantly tweaking something in order to get a result? So I, I thought that was very interesting. There is news uh, that one of the Dodgers uh, hitting instructors, it's, it's Brown, right, is yeah. being considered for to be a hitting instructor for the Marlins. So if they lose Brown, do you think they're going to keep this two-hitting coach deal or is it just going to be von stoyak who's going to end up being the only hitting instructor i think they already mentioned there, there's another uh replacement there's another guy that's on the staff as well that oh the assistant probably, yeah that's just going to step right in because I, I i've heard stuff that uh, yeah, he's already gone so he's, he's going to be in in miami so oh it, so it's, looks, it's yeah. a done deal he, he's Pretty going much, to miami yeah. yeah so looks like uh, they're losing a, a hitting coach but yeah i mean interesting like i mean with bellinger 
I mean, it was from spring training. Like he'd go up there in his first at bat, and you'd see like Bellinger standing different than he than how he ended the pre- the previous season. And like, my question is that was was that Bellinger or was that you know hitting coaches, somebody, some instructor that told him, hey, try this, hey, try this, you know, or who who was the person that was responsible for that? Because I mean, you don't see that with other guys, right? You don't see the other guys that have been playing for a while. You know, you don't see Freddie Freeman changing the stance. You don't see Mookie Betts changing the stance. I mean, even guys that, that came on late, you know, speaking of, uh, of, of late kicks, Justin Turner, when he yeah. added his, his late kick, it's when it clicked for him. Right. And, you know, and he's been doing the same thing and you don't see him changing the way he goes about it. Also someone like Chris Taylor too. He added that late kick too. And things changed for him. The best baseball player I ever saw that changed his stance. I'm not saying this guy's the greatest baseball player that ever lived. But in terms of someone who routinely changed his batting stance was a Hall of Famer, and that was Cal Ripken. Cal Ripken always seemed to be tweaking his batting stance, and maybe it's because there were years when Cal Ripken was hitting 250, right? And he, I mean, this is a guy who also won Rookie of the Year, who also won MVP. He ended up being a Hall of Famer. So he's the only guy that I ever saw that was elite, (laughs) that routinely changed his batting stance and seeing it with Bellinger. But it was very interesting because I don't think that um, that Mark McGuire is getting invited to the carne asada at the Cochito Cruz household. If we ever have McGuire on, on, on the show, I would love to ask him not only that, but I wonder how much pushback these guys get, these, these hitting instructors get, because these guys are major leaguers. They got to the show for a reason and they got to the show doing what they routinely do so when you come in here and be like hey dude who the hell are you now mind you this is also mark mcguire who did have success in 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 the major league baseball so i don't think you can dismiss him as saying you don't know what you're doing but i think it's very interesting the point that he brought up and it's just like yeah you don't like what i'm doing but it works for me you mentioned it too with justin turner I think Justin, we've heard Justin Turner say that that leg kick gave him more power and he started hitting for more power once he introduced that leg kick. And so I, I really, I, I enjoyed uh, speaking to him. I, I wish we had a little a better connection and we had more time with him because the international aspect, we didn't get a chance to, to hear his stories about Japan, but I did find it very interesting when he talked about the winter league in, and, and we have a, we have a, a mascot in, in the Kanesada today, but I did find it very interesting that he talked how he talked about the winter league and how there's only 10 teams and that the level of competition is really, really tough because there's fewer spots. I've always, we've heard, you know, we've had Dale Murphy on Max Muncy's talked about it. We've had players come on here and rave about what they like doing, how they like going and playing in the winter league that this is not some subpar league. I know Luis referred to it as AAA, and I know a friend of the Carina Sada, Adrian Gonzalez, referred to the Mexican league also as kind of a, a high AAA. But, I, I, I mean, if people are going down there to get better, that has to say something about that league. And I don't know if you saw how much money Cochito made in Japan when he was playing in Japan. I think he had a $4 million contract. So I did not realize that, that there was that kind of money in Japan for baseball. So now it makes sense when I see former major leaguers going to go play in Japan. Uh, what are your thoughts on, on the Mexican league? And, and there's two leagues, as he mentioned. The summer league is the Mexican league. And then the winter league is what is called the Mexican Pacific league, which with... The tomateros, I see those hats everywhere around L.A. A lot of people wearing the tomateros. And I don't know if it's just there are a bunch of culichis wearing the tomateros. But it was very interesting to to see the, the players that he crossed paths with, one of them being Julio Urias. Yeah, so so the league that they're playing, that's that's the winter league right now, right? Right, so that's, yeah. That's the one that goes on to the city of the, the Caribe, right? Uh, yes, so okay, so so the winner from that moves on. Okay, so yeah, I've seen I've seen also when he's playing in I guess the summer league. There's a and, I guess and that's when he plays with the Generales de Durango. Because there's a team there's a league. team in Tijuana too, right? Totoros. Totoros. Yeah. Okay, that that's that's part of the other Mexican league then, right? Yeah. 
Okay. Yes. So yeah, yeah. I remember, I remember he when he was on the Tomateros, and Tomateros are huge in LA. I mean, you, you see, yeah. like, I think that's like if there's a Mexican team in LA that has probably the most fans, it's probably the Tomateros. Do you think that's because of Urias, or is it there just so many people from Culiacan in LA? I think it's it's more the the Culichi connection, just uh, and then pr- probably ha- and you know having Julio doesn't doesn't hurt, but yeah. I, I think I think they've been probably the more popular team in, in LA as far as from the Mexican league. But I also, I've also seen a lot of Naranjero stuff. Like, you know, you go looking around, you, you'll find people wearing Naranjero. So that, those might be the two biggest teams. I think you did mention that, right? Yeah. They're, kind yeah. Of with the They're most the ones that have won the most championships. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, I mean, it's, it, it's interesting. Like I said, you know, to hear guys playing there and, you know, the guys that we've had that have gone to play there, you know, have raved about the, the winter, the winter leagues, you know, so. It's pretty cool that you know they're able to do that. Yeah, I, I mean, look, maybe it's just because I got World Cup fever right now, but I am very excited about the World Baseball Classic. And we heard Luis talk about <clears throat> what it means for him to hear his country's national anthem in a foreign country being played. Now, I know I'm not naive. I'm not going to sit here and say that the World Baseball Classic is on the levels of the World Cup. And I don't think it ever will get to there, only just because, and we'll see how this year turns out, but we've had a lot more elite players join the American team this year, right? So I I feel like, wow, the Americans are really taking it seriously. And this is an American team who is the defending champion, by the way. They lost, they won the last World Baseball Classic. So for me to sit here and say they're finally taking it serious, well, it always seemed like the Dominican and the Puerto Ricans were always, you know, taking it seriously and going gung-ho. My thing is this, is I don't think Major League Baseball, which is funny because they're the ones putting on this event, it's ever going to allow it to be full out only because I don't think there's ever a right time to hold this tournament. If you hold it before spring training, there's always the risk of injury. And I actually, no matter when you hurt, you, you hold this tournament, there's always going to be the risk of injury. And if you have an owner that is paying millions of dollars to a player and he gets hurt in what is considered just a, a, a friendly tournament, so to speak, uh, there's going to be a lot of people that are going to be like, I lost this guy for a year because you guys were playing in a tournament that does nothing for me. I don't get any money out of this. So in a sense, you're lending its players and you're lending the players out. And I, and it's unfortunate because I would love to see the World Baseball Classic get to World Cup levels. I, I want to, I mean, when you're watching the World <laughs> Cup, you know you are watching the best football in the world. There's no doubt about it. And that's what I would like to see in 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 the world baseball classic i want to see the best baseball in the world and look i know we've had more foreign players now introduced in the game we got the japanese and and we got the latin players so in a sense in the world series because of a lot of the teams in major league baseball are now made up of international players in a sense maybe the world series is an international tournament but being able to see countries like this i I, I can't I can't tell you enough how excited I am because we're going to be covering it this year. We're going to go down to Arizona and we will be watching that that pool that has Mexico, the United States, Colombia. I'm I'm very excited to see what comes out of it. And um, that American team is loaded, man. So there, there's no excuses this year from the Americans because that that team is loaded. What what do you think, Babyface? Yeah, I mean, getting back to what you're saying, like, you know, with guys getting hurt, I think that's probably the reason maybe a lot of the American guys didn't didn't come and participate in previous years because a lot of sometimes you'd get a lot of these guys and they'd go play winter ball, right? So they they just kind of like, hey, we went from from MLB to winter ball and then hit spring training and they were ready to go for the winter league. So, I mean, as far as the time to do it, I mean, you know, it's hard, right? Because they're doing it right in spring training, like right when spring training starts. So guys are just kind of getting, you know, getting back into the swing of thing. Um, I mean, when else can you, I mean, if you do it at the end of the year, guys are going to be tired already. You guys might even be hurt by the end of the year. I mean, unless you did something, you know, where you 
did it in the middle of the season, but then you'd have to like take like two weeks off. Like, I mean, would you shut down baseball for something like that? You know, so it, it's tough. It's really hard to find a time to to actually do it. Because um, I, I think I remember um, a couple of years when Hanley Ramirez, he was on the Dodgers, and then he went yeah. and, and he played for the and he got he ended up getting hurt. I think he came in San Diego, right? He yeah. ended up getting hurt, and he started the season on the on the IL. So, I mean, stuff like that, it's gonna happen, right? I mean, but what's the difference though? Like, okay, a guy's playing in in the World Baseball Classic, you know, he could get hurt. He'd also get hurt in spring training. Yeah. Right? I mean, he could get hurt in a spring training game. He'd get hurt just in spring training practice, right? So it's kind of – you never know. But but the difference is is when you get hurt in spring training, you're getting hurt on the boss's time, right? When you get hurt on in this tournament, it, that's not on, on, on your time. I, I think – if, as an owner, I think it's easier for you to accept that, that, okay, you got hurt here. It sucks, but you were doing it for, you were working for me getting hurt on. And, and, and I think we can't lose sight of this. The, the, we can't lose sight of the fact that this is still a very young tournament. It hasn't been around. We're talking about the world cup that is getting close to now a hundred years, you know? So, and it wasn't, like the World Cup started in the 30s and it really didn't start getting popular until like the late 70s, early 80s. So, I mean, you're talking about 40 years. Mm-hmm. So I hope it doesn't take 40 years for the World Baseball Classic to to, to get this popular. And I, and I hope Major League Baseball doesn't give up on it because I, I do like the idea of, of this kind of tournament and just seeing this kind of baseball. It's it's something that's very exciting. Turning to some Dodger news before we start wrapping things up on this episode. Uh, we already saw it. Now, look, Heyman was the one who tweeted this. So take it with a grain of salt because I don't, you know, for me, John Heyman has done a lot of damage to his reputation. But John Heyman reported that the Dodgers are meeting with Justin Verlander. So already everybody's up in a tizzy all the fans are up in a tizzy what's how much are they going to pay verlander verlander is 40 years old now verlander is coming off of a cy young we know that the dodgers like to overpay for a shorter amount of time we also know the dodgers need starting pitching our friend juan toribio told us this it's like you know toribio said hey if you get corbin burns it solves all your starting pitching problems if you can't get corbin burns does Justin Verlander solve your starting pitching problems, babyface? I mean, he'll definitely help, I would think, right? Um, I mean, he's 40, right? Yeah. How much are you going to have to pay him? Probably something like uh, what Scherzer got? 40, and what, 40, what, 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 40 Scherzer million? Scherzer got 40? 40 a year? For, yeah, 40 million. Yeah. I mean, what are they going to offer him? Like two years, like 40 million a year? It's going to be an overpay. It's going to be an overpay. I mean, I mean, looking back at Verlander, I mean, he's done it, right? He's he's older, but he's still done it, right? He won the Cy Young this year, then then the year he was hurt, and um, and then the prior year before he got hurt, he won the Cy Young. So he's kind of won like back to back Cy Youngs on the actual years that he's pitched. Um, so then, but there's that thing, right? There's that Astros connection, right? Like, do you want this guy? <laughs> do you want this guy on your team? He was a former Astro, right? He was there in '17. Um, you know, would you rather have him or would you rather have Correa from that 17 team, right? Um, hey, man, dude, Correa is good. And sooner or later, we're – I know some people don't want to hear this, but sooner or later, we have to get past this this Astros thing because they won a World Series and they won it legitimately. And I think what's more frustrating to me is you guys didn't have to cheat in 2017. You guys could have won that World Series – just on your talent alone, you could have done it. So the fact that you you cheated makes it even more frustrating. But the fact that not only, I mean, they're good, man. And now they just they just signed Jose Abreu, and it's like, damn, man, the 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 rich just keep getting richer. Myself, look, I hear this a lot. A lot of people are uncomfortable with the Dodgers giving so many young guys opportunities. We, where there's a lot of rumors here, like, are we going to see Michael Bush up? Or, you know, we're, we're going to see Miguel Vargas. Are we going to see some of these other young guys up there? Because it looks now, if you don't go that young route, 
you're not going to have the depth. And are you going to put Lux at shortstop? So my thing is this. It's if you're not going to bring up these young guys, if you don't trust them to, to carry a season, do you just use those young guys then and make the deal for Adamas and Burns? I mean, see, that's the thing. Like, all these hypotheticals, like, oh, Dodgers should go get, you know, Adamas and Burns. Like, but who says the Brewers are even going to want to trade Adamas? You know, I've, I've heard Adamas loves playing in Milwaukee, and he, he wants to sign there long term. So we can say, oh, yeah, let's go get this and let's go get this guy. But we don't even know if they're even available. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure if you offer, you know, guys like Vargas and, and, and you know, Bush, I'm sure the Brewers are probably going to, you know, listen. Um, but it's, like I said, I, until you actually hear that something's going on, that there's some type of uh, negotiations that, that that's something that's possible, it's just, you know, it's all hypotheticals. Um, but, yeah, I mean, if the Dodgers don't make a move, you, you got to play these guys. You know, you got you to gotta bring them up, see what they can do, see if, they, if, if they're kind of, kind of like we're in that, in that mode like we were a few years back when, when Bellinger came up, you know, when, when, when we had, uh, you know, these guys that were just kind of coming up, uh, uh, you know, with Seager and Bellinger kind of year after year, okay, here's the next guy, here's the next guy. The guys that they held on to, when there was a lot of trade talk, you know, prior, you know, it was always Seager. It was Bellinger. It was those guys right now. And then you've seen it now with Vargas, you know, you've, uh, you know, Cartaya, you know, these are the guys that, you know, Bobby Miller, these are the guys that people mention now when there's trade talks. I think, you know, you gotta, you gotta let them come up and see, see what they're, they're going to do. Right. I mean, you've, you've held on to them for a reason, right? You know, they have the potential. So you got, you got to kind of see what they can do for the team. Well, I mean, I think this is going to be a very, very interesting season for Andrew Friedman because you're coming off of winning 111 games and losing in the first round of the playoffs. Okay. Now, aside from that, if you don't make any big free agent splashes this year and you go with the youth movement and these guys don't pan out, it's going to be one of those, like, we held on to these guys because you said these guys were going to be good, and it turns out these guys, these guys are not good, and maybe we could have used them to flip over for talent. Look, the Los Angeles Rams are the perfect example, and this is a reminder to all of you guys. I know we bitch and moan because the Dodgers haven't won more than one World Series. I know they've been in the playoffs for 10 years, but hey, man. Would you guys, uh, we've asked this question before many times, but I'm going to give you guys specific examples now. Would you rather be the Lakers and the Rams where you win World, one World Series and then you suck for a few years? Because I don't know how soon the Rams can fix this. I mean, they're getting older. They have no draft picks. I mean, the same situation you could say with the Lakers. The Lakers are getting older. They have no draft picks. The Dodgers, though, continue to be competitive every year. So now it's it's like if for some reason things go left this year and they don't even make the playoffs, like what is that going to do to the fan base? The year before we won 111 games, I, I mean, I've heard it. I know you've said it, babyface, but you're not the only one saying it. I've seen it on, on the social media, on the Twitter, where people just don't care about the regular season anymore. It's just like if the Dodgers don't win the World Series, this whole there's there's no point in caring about baseball. So I I do think this is going to be a very very interesting season for for Mr. Friedman, and because the the winter meetings are next week, so it doesn't sound like the Dodgers. I I, I mean. There have been a, a trickle of moves like the Abreu signing with today and then Clevenger going to the White Sox. I, I do feel bad for all my friends in the South Side in Chicago. Losing Abreu to me, and, and I think this is how all the Southsiders are taking it, is the White Sox aren't trying to win. They're, they're, not, they're not trying to win. And, and that's something that we don't have to deal with as Dodger fans. You know, we could be fans of other baseball teams where you see they're not even making an effort, but our team is making an effort. It's just, unfortunately, sometimes the moves just don't pan out for us. Right, babyface? 
You're on mute, baby face. I mean, it, it also seems too like, you know, we're talking about like, okay, you got to let these guys come up and play, right? So yeah, they get, they, a lot of those guys are going to be rookies, right? They haven't had, and their first year, and you, you were kind of expecting them, hey, you guys got to come out and you got to ball out. That may not be the case, right? They're, yeah. they're, it's going to take them a, a bit to get adjusted. You know, they might not even really start getting their their you know their legs until you know second year, third year, yeah. right? I mean, look at Gavin Lux. Gavin Lux, he was in the minors, balling out. Called him up, didn't pan out. Didn't pan out. His hitting, his hitting, right? His hitting was like was the talk, right? Until until this season, right? Into what? It's like his fourth season, fourth season, maybe. Yeah. Where he actually started hitting more and kind of okay, that's the Gavin Lux we expected, right? Um, but yeah, I mean, we still got to work on the glove. You know, we don't know if he's going to be at shortstop. Um, so, but, you know, it, it, it's 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 going to be tough. You know, it, it, there could be a lot of growing pains this season. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So I just want to prepare you guys for that. So on that sad note, uh, uh, we're going to end the show, but I just want to go ahead and remind everyone the winter meetings are going on next week, so we will be providing some coverage. We don't know yet what type of coverage we're going to be providing, but you can you can always tune in to us. We're going to give you guys content during this offseason here. Whether we're going to do interviews like we did with Cochito today or we have other guests talking about what the actual Dodgers are doing, you can count on the Bleed Los podcast to be here at least every week until the season starts. And then we're going to go into really get kick into high gear once the season starts. So this is your reminder again for those of you who are not yet subscribed to the podcast. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Tell your friends. Tell your friends to tell other people. Please subscribe to the podcast and also check us out on YouTube. We, uh, we're getting a lot of subscribers on YouTube. We're getting a lot of people watching us. Um, you know, they, they like our pretty faces. What can I say, baby face? So subscribe to the YouTube. Subscribe to our podcast. This has been the Carne Asada. And again, for those of you who aren't bilingual yet, this is a bilingual show. So start listening more and then maybe your Spanish will improve. Por... En este episodio yo he sido su servidor, Juan Ramírez, y aquí tengo a mi, a, a mi pareja, Babyface. Buenas noches, everybody. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.